morning from the other side. I'm welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. I'm Hagen. <laughs> I'm Dave. I'm Adam. Hello, my name is Jackson. <laughs> what was that accent? I don't know. I guess what would have given it away better is if I had sang one of the most beautiful performances you had ever heard, and then right out of my mouth comes that, Hello, my name is Adele. (laughs) Thank you for coming. (laughs) So uh, what are we talking about this week? In case it's not obvious. We're talking about your shirt. That's fine for an audio (laughs) podcast. We're talking about Adele. Jackson uh, mentioned earlier that his kombucha is, has, is very vinegary. So if he ever is in the middle of a sentence and then pauses, it's because he's reacting to how vinegary his kombucha is. I think this might be the first time I ever get drunk. Oh, this is going to be a great episode. This is going to be an excellent episode. So we're talking about Adele today, right, everybody? Are you guys, mm-hmm. are you guys excited about this? Three studio albums. starting. First one was released in 2008. She took the world by storm. Uh, but not really, because she <laughs> kind of got popular in England and then went to tour the U.S. and then canceled the tour because she missed her boyfriend. Yeah. I think she said at the time, like, oh, I was drinking too much then and I couldn't be without him and uh, it didn't really work out. Yeah. You know what's strange is the took took the world by storm thing is so funny, and I'm sure we'll get into it more, but, like, like listening listening to the, the her first album looking at the track listing i was like man i think i've heard every single one of these songs at some point like 20 years ago like not 20 years ago whatever however, however long ago that would be no but like it, it feels like a long time ago at this point yeah i mean like like chasing pavements i remember like like the 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 girls at my school that were like indie singer songwriters this was the go-to cover this was the one <laughs> but that's the only exposure that i had to, like like of adele's music at the time Yeah, I think that's the only song I knew from this record. I think that was one of the first times that I experienced that, oh, well, I knew this artist before they were famous, is they they would say, yeah, Rolling in the Deep is good, but, (laughs) man, Chasing Pavements, I remember listening to that on my AM radio. So was that like when you became a hipster? No, I mean, do you want to get into my thoughts on this music already? Way before then. (laughs) Well, let's back up. Oh, wait, I think that would make me more of a hipster. Fuck! (laughs) Yep, there you go. There you go. Another, and and we'll we'll back up again in just a second. But uh, make you feel my love. That's the that's the other really big one off of the first album. What the Bob Dylan song? And we're moving backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The album's her first album starts a trilogy of uh, numbers. For names of records, I don't know if it's a trilogy. I think that's probably just going to be every album she does. <laughs> okay, well, I Dave mean, nailed it. Can you imagine? She's like seventy six. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. The Frank Sinatra covers record. <laughs> At the rate that the world is going, no, I can't imagine her being seventy six. That's a good point. At the rate that she's recording albums, her next one should be thirty three. Apparently, she's done with thirty, and apparently that's been done, but was not released because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But I don't fully believe that because I also watched an interview with Adele where she was talking about, oh, she doesn't like touring, but she likes playing a live show because she likes having that connection with her fans. But, you know, if she's being honest, and this is one of the most likable things about Adele, 
she is super just like honest she seems really genuine when she like she says her mind which is really cool um but she said let's be honest i don't need to play shows i don't need that and i was just like damn fuck yeah (laughs) yeah yeah fuck yeah that's a (laughs) that's a that's a really honest thing you said that that i'm sure some fans heard that and were like okay that's cool i guess you don't have to (laughs) i guess thank you yeah Yeah, i guess well it's the same thing with like paul mccartney I mean, Paul McCartney doesn't need to play shows. So you know when Paul McCartney goes on tour, he's doing that for the love of music and or for the love of the fans, which in my mind, I think that makes it better. Sure. Yeah, that's that, that's fair. That's very true. Um, so Adele's full name for anyone who, who, who doesn't know, because I didn't know, uh, and she gives me a run for my money with names, Adele Lurie Blue Atkins is her full name. Um, born May 5th, 1988. Um, and she started singing and was like obsessed with the voice at, from the age of four, uh, talking about like her big breakthrough. She like started her big break on MySpace, uh, which is the only thing that she has in common with Dane Cook. But, um, <laughs> I was going to say well, that really wrong there. This really uh, dates the album, but so does the Dane Cook reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing she has in common with Dane Cook. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so let's go. Let's talk about this. She released a, this demo on MySpace, and it got some traction. And then apparently, what happened was um, XL Records contacted her and said, "Hey, we're interested in having you be one of our artists." And in her mind, I think she said she had never heard of that record label. And she decided uh, that it was a scam. So she brought a friend with her to this meeting of this record label who's just like, we want to we make your dream come true. And she was like, ah, I don't believe you, you scammers. And one of the ways they got her on, they got her to sign, was that one of the, they said, oh, we'll have this person be your manager. And the person they picked was like this like singer-songwriter that she was like, she loved was like a hero of hers so she ended up saying like oh i guess this is the real deal so she signed to xl records which if i'm not mistaken all three of her albums came out on xl it's a subsidiary of columbia i believe so all three of them yeah you know the known known scammers columbia records (laughs) bastards yeah so then uh that brings us into 19 which is her first record and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Wow, she really nailed it with the album naming because she just, it, as we've already said, it's her age at the time of writing and recording the album. And so, you know, it goes with the three albums she's released. It's 19, 21, and 25. And, like, she's she's golden. And that's the the way I think of music when I'm writing and releasing i think of it as like a time capsule like kind of a journal of that time so if there are jagged edges i like to think of well that's how i wrote and recorded music at that time it's not necessarily that it's bad it's just that's where i was so for her she's very much saying like well if someone were to come at her and say like oh i'm not a fan of this for this reason she'd be like well i was 19 that's where i was Right, yeah. I mean, I and some of the songs even date back to when she was 16. At least one of them do. So it's like yeah. uh, you can very much hear a new songwriter in her foray into writing songs. 
and it's really cool. I was very surprised at how much stuff she played on the record other than just singing. And I had only heard the singles. I actually only heard some of the singles. But there were four singles. It was Hometown Glory, Chasing Pavements, Cold Shoulder, and Make You Feel My Love. I think the only ones that I heard were Cold Shoulder and Chasing Pavements. Yeah, I think I only knew Chasing Pavements, and I knew Make You Feel My Love just because I swear, and this is going to be a reoccurring thing for me, but I swear I I sang that in choir at some point. this um, This is a thing... Adele got really famous whenever I was in choir in like high school. And I, you know, for better or for worse, I think Adele is like the female version of a Michael Blue Blay for choir singers that every, like every guy I knew, including myself at some point sang a Michael Blue Blay song in choir. And it felt the same way for every woman I knew in choir at some point had an Adele solo or, audition using an Adele song so there's this weird disconnect for me when I listen to these songs is like I don't know these from the radio I know this from Chloe or Maddie singing this at uh what uh people like to call glee club (laughs) ew (laughs) yeah that's that's what I was saying earlier like I, I remember I was at like a uh like a little thing for all like the musical theater kids in like our district and there was a talent show and uh i performed in it i played bass in the band and we did a cold play song and then one of the singers uh stepped a- like stepped a- away from us and did chasing pavements right afterwards that was like my first exposure to to, to this music and i i think that i i agree on the on some level of this kind of being like a like for like for like the the choir kids like a, a great song for them to sing for auditions or solos and stuff like that but i mean there's a lot of great examples for that for for like for women because this is this is such and i'll talk about it a lot but this is belty music this is this is belty i mean and she's her range is exceptional uh she she has like a a ridiculously large range and she can just belt the high notes as, as much as possible until she can't and has to go to the doctor. Uh, but this, this album is definitely like a, like, I mean, it's, it's a great kind of, it sets a really great precedent for what you're going to get for the rest of the albums. Uh, I'll say that I, I like for all of the albums, um, this is the only one that I was kind of just like riding the wave of. I wasn't like super shocked or into anything the whole time. Like, I was into it, but I wasn't like, Ooh, that's fucking cool. I was just like, this is an Adele album. Yeah. Nothing really like stuck out to me is like very cool. Yeah, and I do want to add on to that Belty comment that I agree with you one hundred percent, but it's not Belty in like the vocal masturbation uh idea. Kinda like Mariah Carey is what I would say is like the most egregious offender of vocal masturbation where it's or, just like Or Christina Aguilera. Yeah, exactly. But that's not that's that's not beltiness. They're 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 all doing runs. This is the thing. Adele leans more into this like musical theater style of singing where it's all about like, I'm going to hit high notes where like you, you you go to the Christina Aguilera's and the Mariah Carey's and they're, they're all about the belties, but they're also about the runnies. Uh, they got really good runs. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. It's hard not to laugh at that. (laughs) So go on. Sorry. Sorry. I got you off. Go ahead. This is, uh, I, I agree with you, Hagen, and um, I do want to say I think I, I mean 
this is definitely, and I think a lot of people would probably agree, this is my least favorite of the three albums. And not that it's a bad album. I feel it's really back-heavy, which I think most albums aren't that way. But I felt myself in the first half of this album, excluding Chasing Pavements, um, it was just blue-eyed soul music. And for me, I'm like, and this is just my personal opinion, I really am not a fan of blue-eyed soul. And if you don't know what blue-eyed soul music is, that's just basically... Adele, um, it's stuff like uh, Lake Street Dive, uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones. There are songs you can show me that I like of those. Amy Winehouse is probably the most famous one, and Adele. But this is like this album leans so much into that in the first half that, like, for me, it was just a lost cause. But I could see the quality in it. Um, But then it starts in the back half. There are these piano ballads that for me kind of give off this Alicia Keys vibe that I was like, hell yeah, I'm for this. And then there's the song um, uh, Tired, which sounds like a Lily Allen song. And that was definitely my favorite song on this whole album. And Ride as Rain was really good. Ride as Rain is such a good one. I think we'll get there, but Tired reminded me of a Postal Service track, like the instrumental to it kind of sounded like yeah. Postal Service. Yeah, 100%. But I, did, I, wrote, I wrote in the notes for that song, it's a strange uh, time change coming out of nowhere in the instrumental section. It felt like they were going through the verses and chorus in that song, and they were like, oh, we need to change this up because it's like kind of too exciting for a song on this record. But I, I agree with, with you, Jackson. The first couple of songs were really dragging on, and I thought it's strange for them to have, for whoever did the sequencing of this record, that the first two songs are just really down, sparse ballads before we get to the single. But then I also thought this is the introduction of this artist. And especially because the first song is Daydreamer and she's playing acoustic guitar and singing. It's just her. There might be double guitars. And then the, where's it at? Yeah. Best for last Adele. She played bass on that. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about, uh, you, you, you told us about Yebo last week and then you showed me videos this weekend. I mean, talk about like the whole point of this person just being a singer and a, and a, and a songwriter. That's all this is like to look at Adele at, at, at anything beyond that is just like, she is an amazing singer is cool. Cause she is more than that. But like what, what the whole point of, I think a lot of her songs are even in the, even in like the other albums is like, just listen to her fucking voice, man. Just listen to her voice. It's so good. Even, even if she's not doing the crazy belting stuff, she just has a great voice. Well, and you can see even like in the in the, the second song, Best for Last, it's the first time we hear her do like a little bluesy run thing where it just feels like pure emotion. And she carries that throughout the three records where there were, you know, people have been reporting in the studio sessions, she would call up a producer and go like, I'm super angry right now, let's go to the studio and I want to get this on record. Yeah. So the, well, to, to Jackson's point earlier, it feels really genuine for her performance does because of that. And that kind of comes across along with the songwriting of being like a, the you know, kind of like a snapshot of time when she was recording these albums. And that's a kind of unique aspect compared to a lot of songwriters. Yeah, I think she's pulled off a master feat that a lot of someone like David Bowie has done as well. Of like most people think of David Bowie as just a singer. Most people think of Adele as just a singer, but as Dave is saying, like she has this list of credits and she writes her own songs. I mean, of course she works with writers and producers, but she's still there writing. And uh, it's very much one of those, I think it's a masterful move because it's really easy if you can play all your instruments to show it off. Um, but 
whenever you see, I watched a live performance of her in New York City, and you know, I think she only played one song with an acoustic guitar, and it was Daydreamer. And once again, I wasn't a big fan of that song, but it was nice to see, like, oh, this is kind of nice, you know, watching her, you know, show off her chops of like, oh, I can play guitar and still do what I'm doing. This is something that, you know, I'm doing on the records. You guys just might not know. Well, and, and to, to her credit, there are 12 songs in this record. It's only 43 minutes long. She wrote, she solely wrote six of them. Uh, one of them was a Bob Dylan cover. And then when you look at the credits for producers and slash songwriters, it's like Jim uh, Abbas, I think, Mark Ronson, and somebody named Egg White. Egg White. Egg White. That's not his full name, but it's, it's a professional name. Was that was that, is that a typo? Is it supposed? Did Meg White do it? Uh, yep, <laughs> it was Meg White. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, and then like also the closing track is what Dave was talking about. I think she wrote that when she was like fourteen or something, sixteen, something yeah. like that. Yeah, sixteen. Hometown Glory, and it is just like that was. I, I, I limited myself to two songs I could call my favorite, and I already said them. But like Hometown Glory was right up there where I was like, oh. This is pretty wonderful, and it's also awesome to hear, you know, the story behind it, and then, you know, to find out, oh, she wrote it at 16, which I'm sure there are probably people in their 40s or latter years than that who can relate to this song, and she's like, hey, a lot of these things she's touching on are universal, and it's pretty amazing when you look at it and say, oh, 19, well, some 16, so that's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, she wrote that song because her mom persuaded her or tried to persuade her to move to university, which would be leaving her hometown. And she said that she wrote it in like 10 minutes. So as a 16-year-old artist, it's like, oh, cool. And let me throw in a little fun fact here. Uh, Most people uh, know about the the Brit school, which is where she went. Uh, But she was part of this uh, town, uh, this uh, school, music scene that yielded uh the specific one that she was a part of the year she was in uh yielded bands like the kooks and florence and the machine and there's all these jesse j yeah jesse j well there's tons i mean amy amy winehouse went there you can go on for days black midi went there uh tom Holland went there and (laughs) i mean you can go on all day about the um, Brit school, but specifically she was in the same, you know, generation as, uh, like the kooks and Florence and the machine. And all of them talk about like playing pubs together. And like, they would say like, Oh yeah, it was nice seeing early versions of Florence and the machine and really figuring it out. But all of them will agree there. They'll say like, yeah, every time Adele got up on that stage, she would be really shy. She'd be up there with an acoustic guitar and like everyone would shut the fuck up. They would just sit there and be like, wow, that's the one. That's the best of us. And, you know, in some ways they were right. Well, you've mentioned Amy Winehouse a couple of times now, or I think maybe just twice. But when she released this record, some critics were mentioning the idea that Adele was supposed to be the new Amy Winehouse. How, like, they they like to pigeonhole artists, especially female artists. But uh, Adele said the comparison between her and other female artists at the time, she called it lazy and said that, we're a gender, not a genre. And it's like, good. Like Hagen said, or I think it was Hagen or Jackson, the first instance of her in the public eye talking to a critic and being honest. Like, hey, fuck off. Like, that's lazy. Get some better material. 
Yeah, there's a there's a quote that's Adele can certainly sing, but 19 reeks of some A&R trend hound making it his her business to sign the new Amy and not resting until they've found the right chick from South London to, South London to fit the bill. I, say, just like, I, I think all in all, I'll give this uh, album a 10 out of 19. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. What no, did we, you do? We should have expected that. I also want to mention before we move on from this one, if we are already, but uh, Chasing Pavements, what happened to motivate her is that some guy cheated on her and she went to the bar that she knew that this guy was at and punched him in the head. Then on the way out of the bar, questioned, what is it you're chasing? You're chasing an empty pavement. So she recorded the line on her phone and then finished it when she got home. But it's hilarious. It's like, because there is a theme throughout her career, especially for the first two records where people were saying Adele needs to break up with her boyfriend so we can get a new Adele record. Yeah, so she can go on tour. I mean, people are still saying that. Right. Well, it happened. She got, like, the biggest breakup. She got a divorce from her husband, who she had a child with, so we're about to get the best album of ever. Yeah, but then they're going to be like, she needs to stop being such a mom and release an album, you know? Just, like, just (laughs) no more more fucking responsibilities for Adele. Just, Just give us music the entire time. So, uh, so let's just, let, let's just back up a little bit. Cause I was going to interrupt you, but, uh, you know, I didn't and I should have, but, uh, we're, we're going to do here for, uh, for the game is we're going to, we're going to go back to what David mentioned earlier, which is the, uh, the hometown glory thing. So the game I have here for, uh, for about hometown glory is that it was in fact, uh, written in 10 minutes, but Adele also, she likes to do things in t- in 10 minutes. Do you know one other thing that she did in 10 minutes? Nope, not not the pantomime of sex, Jackson. I mean, maybe I don't know. That's not a <laughs> that uh, that I mean, that could be true, but there's no there's no factual evidence to support that. So the hint that I'll give you is, uh, you know, she 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 might have wrote something or recorded something, done done something, you know, musical. It's impressive in ten minutes. So we know that she wrote "Hometown Glory" in ten minutes. What else do you think that she might have done in ten minutes? Given birth? She recorded her 43-minute album in 10 minutes. Well, that would be impressive, but no. Uh, can we have, like, a multiple choice? Nope, oh. not this time. I'm going to go with uh, deciding to cover Bob Dylan. She just t- took her 10 minutes. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that took her longer than 10 minutes. I know that for a fact. No, I just meant the decision to to do it. That that would be, that would be uh, I'm sure still I'm wrong, a though. long decision. And just yeah. just decide you want to do it, man. Just get over it. <laughs> Fucking make, move on, man. I don't know. Uh, wrote hello. No, she, no, that's wrong. I know that. I know that's wrong. <laughs> what the fuck? She, I just don't know the answer. So D- I'm guessing. Dave's just trying to to drink. She she recorded Skyfall in ten minutes. Oh what the fuck! Shit. Um, here's one thing we are not going to do on this episode. We are not going to read off all the statistics of Adele because we're going to be, that would be a whole separate episode. She has done phenomenally well. If you would like to see all the awards that she has won, uh, I, this is not the thing we're supposed to do, I guess, as a podcast, but just go to her Wikipedia page for awards because <laughs> there are, not including the references section of the Wikipedia page, there are 69 haha sections of her, of her awards Wikipedia page. So just go look at that. You'll see. I'll give. I'll give you. I'll give you the quick run. She has won eighty six awards, and she's been nominated for hundred and fifty awards. There you go. Yeah, I mean, like we'll mention like maybe the big things, like her going, like 
being diamond status, but like, I mean, she has done phenomenally well, deserves all the credit she gets, but that is going to be a boring episode. And I don't even think she cares that much about those statistics. So no, that's not what we're here to talk about. Not even just from the later albums either. Her first album got a nomination for album of the year from the Mercury prize, which is like a pretty big deal for the type of uh, music she's doing, especially. So, yeah. So this rolls us into, uh, 21 which dave already talked about uh she did a little bit of touring on 19 canceled a tour what ended up breaking her uh in america which is uh, uh, as most people say that's like the goal uh in any performing arts is to make it in america uh, she she canceled that tour and her and her production company decided like had said well we fucked it it's not gonna happen not this go around and she ended up getting a uh, spot on SNL, performed Chasing Pavements, and then another song uh, that I'm blanking on. And then the next day, she had made it in America. So then we go into 2011. That brings us 21. This is the, the behemoth. This is the one you know. This is the one everyone knows. Uh, it was released when she was 12. Actually, I don't know if she was 21 when it was released, but it was written and recorded when she was 21 well, i was gonna say i think all the titles are based on when the album came out because most of these albums have taken a year or two in recording which is also kind of one of those like consistency things with her her work is it seems to take a couple of years to record everything and release it well she's big on having life experiences enough to write about Just right yeah we'll I, that I think that fits on. especially with the the theme maybe that she's thinking of for herself about like documenting her you know period of time at 21 for example it is funny to to think about the fact that like her first record and her second record are almost exactly three years apart almost to the day and so you might think as a person looking at her career from the outside go like oh okay so she's probably gonna do you know every three years for a record and then no that's not that's not the case yeah. don't get spoilers your turned out yeah. that didn't happen yeah yeah and so i i'll just go ahead and, and getting into the music i remember Putting this on, I have never listened to any of these albums, uh, you know, front to back. It's always just been hearing it, you know, just going about my day to day or being in a glee club. And I, I mean, I must have woken up on the wrong side of the bed, but I remember initially listening, rolling in the deep and rumor has it kick off the record. And I just thought, I remember these being bigger than this. And then I re-listened to all the records today and I was completely wrong. I mean, front to back, this album, I mean, it kicks ass, and those songs themselves kick ass. I mean, she's working with some, like, really heavy hitters, Rick Rubin and Ryan Tedder, and she's just fucking kicking ass. And it's a completely, like, where this album doesn't hit me, like, on a song like One and Only is when she goes back into that blue-eyed soul. But she basically changes her style on this, and she, from what I read while she was on tour in America, her bus driver was listening to a lot of American, um, like I believe like blues and R and B and stuff like that. And she was saying, Oh, in England, I never grew up listening to that. I never heard it. So that really inspired her. And you can hear it in rolling in the deep. It's 100% there. So I mean, like it's a complete, it, she drops the blue eyed soul thing. And every time she drops that and does something completely different, I'm all aboard for it. But 
anytime it comes back, I'm just like, this is not for me. It's not bad, but yeah, all in all, this record is like front to back. Amazing. You know, one of the things that I, uh, found pretty crazy about this, I mean, there are more producers, um, but in specifically the, the credits of the music, the personnel, the musician personnel, there are 62 musicians credited on this record. And it's that's just pretty like, crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, but I that's think a whole if lot. we start to see the fact that she's a really good collaborator. She's a yeah. she's a song, a great songwriter and she gets better with each record, but collaborations she's really open for it. Yeah, and I think this makes it very clear she's good at picking the right people to collaborate with too. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I think I think that I don't know if it's the wrong side of the bed and maybe it's just like I've heard it a bunch of times. But rolling in the deep and rumor has it. I was like, "Fuck! I know this. I know these. I don't care. I don't care." Uh, like they're good songs, but I just I was whatever about it. And but for some reason, with "Set Fire to the Rain," I was like, "Let's go! Let's get this!" Can I? I, I can I light a fire on some rain? I don't know, man. I just feel energetic with this one. Um, Which is funny because for for that specific song, I, when I listened to it again, I was like, "Man, the strings are way too loud in this. Like, I almost can't listen to the rest of this track." interesting yeah I, I don't i don't know what it is about about that song that, that that got me and then uh you know obviously i think someone like you you just can't go i mean you can't go wrong with it it's such a, it's such a good song um i do, don't understand the love song cover don't get it but it's fine she did that for her i think her mother and her friends like in tribute to them to so that because she, she basically was like these are the only things that keep me happy when i'm on tour so i'm gonna do a song for them that's nice. That's nice. Cool. I got, yeah. It didn't, I, I, you didn't know. have to be on the album, though. No, and it's it's funny because she said she didn't want this album to be as downbeat and as sad as the first release, but then stereotypically, unfortunately, she broke up with her first serious boyfriend, and it was like, all right, here we go. All bets well, yeah, and I, I think that it's it's just going to probably just be in her nature. I mean, that this is, I mean she's, she's going to shine in an area where she can just let her voice go, and this is always going to be the best setting for it. Um, I mean, who knows what she's written whenever she hasn't been in a breakup or something, you know, something ba- bad has happened. But, like, it seems like her voice is going to shine in this kind of area where there's room to breathe, where there's room right. for her voice to just do whatever. Well, and, uh, Jackson, you mentioned Ryan Tedder, but we should also – get more specific and say that he's the lead singer of one Republic, which I found that pretty surprising. I, I think when people find that out, that's surprising to them, but Ryan Tedder has really carved himself a spot. And he's one of those songwriters. Uh, that's his main gig. Now he, it's like, I think the three people I think of as like modern day people who have somehow cracked the craft of writing pop songs. It's Charlie XCX Ryan Tedder and Jack Antonoff. For some somehow those three people have figured it out and you will see their names on every all your favorite records. So, yeah. I, I will say especially lately. And yeah, and like for good reasons. I mean, they're all like three mega talented people. But when it comes to like I mean, the the hits on this record are great. Um but it did feel like, you know, I've heard these, even though I had never listened to this album front to back, it did feel like I've heard these and it got me questioning. This was one, this album got diamond status, which is the highest status you can get uh, from RIAA. And I, I started thinking like, why is this the album that got diamond status? Why is it not a Beyonce album? Why is it not a Britney Spears album? Why is it this? You would think because yes, this is pop music, but it's not, 
pop music, if you were to just think, if I were to say, hey, what's a pop song? You wouldn't say this. So I started thinking about it, and my partner brought it up that she thinks the difference is that this music is stuff that can be played at a bar. It can be played at a department store. It can be played at your dentist. Whereas Beyonce and Britney Spears, that kind of stuff, it does have a bit more of an edge to it that like maybe department stores don't want to be playing that kind of stuff because they feel it's quote unquote political or edgy. So I wonder if that's it. And I'm not trying to like take Adele down, but it was something that I was like, man, why, why is this the most famous thing? I think I think that could play a really big part, but I also think that another big thing is that, and and not specifically to Beyonce, um, but more to the Britney Spears point. But like these are albums; these are fully like fleshed out albums. I mean, we did the Britney Spears thing, and those albums were fucking tough to get through. It's like you you get the single or the two singles or whatever, and then the rest of it's just like you know, just it's there; it exists. But and I think that's fair because my and from an ignorant standpoint, my brain immediately thought, well, you think that the thing that gets Diamond would be a homogenized pop album, but it for the same reason, this is different. Yes, it's pop music, but it's like it's kind of a it has that southern feel and rolling in the deep and you know that kind of bluesy feel. So maybe that's exactly what made it it's it's pop but it it's also different than like what you're listening to at the time of release in 2011 well and like a Britney Spears record it feels like you're going to a, like you're attending a party a house party with a bunch of different really eccentric people but with an Adele record it feels like you're attending a party with just Adele and she's talking to you about love which is something everybody can relate to yeah. So, you know, you can play that, like you said, in the department stores, but you can also sit down at the end of a long day and listen to an Adele record and have a good cry, even yeah. if it's an up an up-tempo song. And even and even like looking at the track listing as as like a selling point, you have two singles at the top, set fire to the rain in the middle, I and think then that was closes with someone like you. So yeah. I mean, is 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 somebody who's like, I want to get an album. Is it going to make more sense for me to get these four like singles on iTunes or just to buy the fucking album? You know, because like who knows what else? And maybe they maybe they recognize there's like the cover of Love Song there. Who knows what it is? You know, there's there's a ton of reasons why an album like this might stick out. Now I don't know about the Beyonce comparison. That that one's a little strange to me because I do feel as though like like Beyonce albums should I mean they could be played more or less anywhere maybe not the dentist but uh, you know like they, they, they could be played anywhere and they are full like fully fledged albums and songs but with this it just it just feels a lot more like like Dave you put it really nice I mean it's like you're kind of sitting down with Adele you're yeah. you're you're getting you're getting to you're getting to like feel something really clearly with an album like this um, no matter what kind of song it is one thing I do want to mention too is for the musicians, like the you know, musicians that listen to the show, uh, Rick Rubin started working with Adele and wanted to put her in a room with a bunch of really great musicians that were willing to collaborate. And I think it's the fourth track, the sixth track, the tenth and the eleventh tracks. I think uh, the band is Chris Dave or Chris Daddy Dave on drums, which is crazy. Uh, Pino Palladino on bass, which is not as crazy. Smokey Hormel and Matt Sweeney. Hagen, you know Matt Sweeney from the live performances with uh, Iggy Pop and the Pop Explosion or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then James Poyser, who's in The Roots currently. And he had Adele in the studio with them, and they all collaborated together on a bunch of those songs. 
Who's Pino Palladino? You'll 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 figure it out one day. <laughs> <laughs> it, that definitely comes through. My favorite song, like on this album, because it kind of like at, you've heard these songs even if you've never listened to the album. But my favorite song on the album was "He Won't Go," which oh, just yeah. like took me out of nowhere. It's right yep. after "Set Fire to the Rain," so like it's the sixth song, and I'm like, okay, so this is gonna be an album that I've heard before, even though it's great. And then that song came in, and I was just like, holy shit, this slaps. It's so good. And, like, Dave, that's one of the songs you just mentioned. It's very clear that it's a band that's being cohesive together, and it's just like, da, 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 ooh, ah. Yeah. Every time that happened, the first time I heard it, I saw myself drumming on my steering wheel, and I was like, I don't know this song. How am I drumming to this? (laughs) What's, What's really cool for me as a bass player, like a kind of a bass player nerd, is that, Pino Palladino playing bass on this track reminded me of uh, some of the stuff he's done with John Mayer. And then I checked out like these sessions may have been done late, early 2010, late 2009 and uh, battle studies came out 2009. And so there's a track in particular, he won't go Pino. His playing reminds me of the song assassin, which is a strange comparison, but it's cool to hear a bass player at a certain point in his career where he's playing a certain way. But yeah, he won't go is my favorite song on the record. I it's didn't so know good. it was about her friend that was going through heroin addiction. Oh shit. So when, yeah, exactly the vibe of the song. You're like, Oh, this is like, I just assume I feel like an idiot. I assume every Adele song is about a breakup. Well, that, that's like, cause that's the media story around her basically entire career at this point. Is that's uh, oh the only way she writes music is going through a breakup. Let's let's simply imagine just for funsies that every song is about a different breakup. Take the covers out of the equation. How many fucking breakups? That's great. I mean, good good for you for milking all these breakups <laughs> into into music like this. That's pretty great. That's pretty crazy. The cool th- one thing that's kind of interesting is that um, Rick Rubin actually recorded more of these songs, but between. Beyonce, or Beyonce. <laughs> between Adele and her label, they decided to re-record them. What? Right. He was the uh, original producer for the whole thing, right? Right. Because that's that's one of the things that I thought was surprising was that he decided he wanted to work with her after seeing her on SNL, which, like you mentioned before, kind of like launched her American career. And it's funny to watch that performance because you can tell she's so nervous. Any of those early clips of her, you know, performing in front of a big audience. And and to, uh, to to compare this album to nineteen and in, in a way that uh, kind of I think sets it sets it really nicely. Another review um, from the time was a raspy aged beyond its years thing of full blooded beauty. Um, it's a really nice review about the album. I think it really sets it nicely and just kind of puts it in comparison to what everybody was kind of thinking about nineteen. Even though nineteen did well in a lot of ways, a lot of people like I mean like we talked about we're just talking about how this is saying how this is like the new Amy Winehouse. So they're trying to do, they're trying to make this new pop star instead of just letting Adele be Adele. And now finally with this album, it's like, Oh shit. We yeah, were wrong. This is huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we should have the, listened the se- right away. The sequencing of this record is like so much better than the first one. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it has more peaks and valleys, but I think that in this realm of music, a pop artist should start with a couple of real big songs. But even when they go to the ballad, the third song, it's not a, a boring ballad at all. Yeah. Well, and you don't, and you don't do like most, most pop records, they need to start with either like an intro, like an intro track or like the single 
or the single has to be like the second song and the third song. Like it's you got you got to put like two singles in the first four tracks. So how are you going to do it? We noticed that with the with the Britney Spears records, almost every I think all nine records had the same formula. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 always a shock whenever like you see the first song not being like the single. In my opinion, I think that's a pretty crazy thing. Uh I mean, it's 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 definitely different but like even like Dua Lipa Future Nostalgia starts off with the title track Future Nostalgia which wasn't a single and the second song is Don't Start Now which was the big single from the album so it's like every pop star like you can probably think of probably does this so it makes sense that she starts off with the first two but it's like you're you're not going to be bummed at all throughout the rest of the album you're you're I mean, like if you like the singles I guarantee everything else is still good but I hadn't heard someone like you in headphones in a long time, and I gotta say, so I wasn't. I wasn't. It just made me so sad. I was like, "Oh my goodness, yeah. this song is so emotional. It's crazy." Yeah, it's so good. But I wondered why she put that last, and she said that uh, it it kind of felt like it summed up the entire message she wanted to get across with this record, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Anybody else have anything they want to add about this album before I uh, game us? 18 out of 21. Okay. I, th- I think like Jackson mentioned, um, you've probably heard a lot of these songs, obviously, but everybody should go listen to this album in its entirety just because it, it has other stuff you haven't heard and it's, you know, all really great. So, yeah. Well, it, like I mentioned, she worked with at least 62 musicians. I didn't even try to list the number of like engineers and people who mixed and. No, there's no way you could. That's just, I mean, again, that's like a, if you want to see it, Wikipedia. Yeah, but it still feels intimate. It still feels like uh, yeah. her work. I think it's an incredible step forward. It's crazy because this album blew up for her, and she talks about how that was kind of a shock for her, that she didn't expect that. But it's just crazy when you see this, like, as you're saying, like the amount of people working on it, and then there to not be some, you know, hindsight of like, hey – this is going to be bigger than the last one. I mean, like, of course she couldn't have expected it to be one of the biggest albums of all time and sell as well as it did. But I mean, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. Uh, like when she talks about it in interviews, how like she's just like, I was blindsided by that. I went from like, you know, someone who was, you know, moderately famous to like, I can't take public transit. People know exactly who I am, that kind of stuff. Well, I think there was a there was a definite, and there probably still is a these instances of labels finding an artist and saying, "All right, we're going to make your this is going to be your big record," and we might not even know of this artist yet. They might still be underground, and the label throws musicians and like you know all these crazy arrangers and producers at them, and they record this record that ends up being not good. So it just never sees the light of day, and these people get stuck in record contracts where it's like they had a promising record. I think that almost happened to Michelle branch. And it wasn't until this other guy was like, Oh, I want to work on this. Can I work on this? And the label was like, I mean, sure you take it. And we saw, so unfortunately that happens where she might not understand the crazy, huge scope of what is about to happen with this record because it could just get shelved. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hagen, you want to, you want to game us? I'll game you. Game me, baby. So uh, this, uh, this again. Sorry, I, I, this isn't. This is this is not a multiple choice, but uh, it, it. I think you guys can can do pretty good with it. We're gonna rapid fire whenever I get to the the answering round. So one at a time with your answers. 
Um, so the whole point of this game is to kind of talk about a little thing called vocal health. So uh, she, uh, if you don't know, Adele famously had to cancel two nights of a Fortnite run at Wembley Stadium due to vocal cord issues. Now, this did not start when this, this was not new to her during the Wembley Stadium run. This started when in 2011 when she had a bunch of other issues happen. She's had to get um, a vocal cord microsurgery, which is very, very dangerous and very risky. If something goes wrong, you could like lose your voice. I mean, you can, you, what, what they're, what they're messing with is every, every part of how you speak and how you sing and everything. Um, but her issues have stemmed from a couple different places. Uh, the main ones being overuse and smoking. Um, and, uh, a, a super duper side note, uh, before we get into the game and that is I found an article about these two opera singers who basically are working on, uh, bringing back a new form of singing. So, so many pop singers can stop hurting themselves. Um, because this is a very big problem in, uh, in multiple music industries, but especially the pop industry. Um, so I won't get into that because that's pretty boring for, I think, everybody else. Uh, but rapid fire, we're going to go down. I'm gonna, uh, I'll give an order. Everybody, one at a time, I need you to give me some musician, some singer who has had vocal cord issues at some point or another. I'm going to need, like, probably, you don't have to give me the specifics, but they've at least gone under surgery or they um, have had to cancel dates. So the order is going to be, I'm going to go Dave, Jackson, Adam, okay? So Dave, go first. You John Mayer. No, no, no. You, God damn it. <laughs> What'd you say? John Mayer. All right, great. Jackson? No, I want I don't want to play. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> sore loser. Adam? I don't know, but I think Dave Grohl. No. Oh, Dave Grohl uh, should. Undiagnosed. He should. He, he, undiagnosed, should. Maybe. he, he yeah, is never he's true. never he's never like had. I thought like they that canceled yet. some shows because of that, but maybe uh, no, he he screams through everything. Not a good choice, by the way, for anybody listening and thinking that's a good choice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we can keep going. There's so many more. Okay, back, um, no, it's back to Dave now. It's back to you, you. You fucking skipped your turn, man. It's back to Dave now. You said you don't want to play anymore. Inner Shikari singer. <laughs> Dave? Uh, I'm going to guess Christina Aguilera. Nope. Oh, good for her. Jackson? <laughs> I'm... I don't believe that Hagen knows this. Like, do you have just a, a website I've open? I've got a like, fucking list. I've, I've got a fucking list in front of me right now, man. Oh, give me a moment. I'm going to find this list. <laughs> no, get your fucking, get your guess in, you piece of shit. Play the goddamn game. <laughs> just make a guess. Hit the Enter Shikari Singer works. Good. You get a fucking point, man. Uh, Adam. Uh, I don't know. Probably Freddie Mercury. Ding, ding, Probably. ding, ding, ding. Cool. I got one right. Dave? Uh, Leanne Rhymes. Not on my list, no. Okay. Madonna. Not on my list. Michael Jackson. You're not, it's not your turn. Adam. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say Michael Jackson. Good choice. Not, not, nope, incorrect. Dave? <laughs> Idiot. Uh, uh, Tommy from Between the Bear and Me. No. Nope. Jackson, your turn. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, Adam. Oh, Shania Twain. Sorry. <laughs> I'll let you have that one, Dave. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other famous singers that would be in your list. All right. So we got we got El- Miley Elton Cyrus. John. We got Miley. Yes, Elton John. Oh okay, my cool. God. So there's. I don't actually know these though. I'm just guessing. 
Miley Cyrus. Bob Dylan started with uh, Bob Dylan's career is yeah yeah that's his voice yeah (laughs) Miley Cyrus, Sam Smith, Celine Dion, Bjork, Megan Trainor, Keith Urban, Justin Timberlake, all on top of Elton John, John Mayer, Freddie Mercury, and Enter Shikari Man. Enter Shikari Man. Jackson, you've ruined my game twice now. So, uh. <laughs> well, I mean, these singers they get real famous without having the exposure of knowing what good technique is, when, and it, then they have to tour into the ground. You mentioned uh, Miley Cyrus, right? So that's yeah. a pretty perfect example, actually. That I'm surprised none of us guessed. But it it comes from a, a couple different places, um, and and for Adele's case, it didn't help that she smokes like a lot. She smoked a fuck ton. Um, and it took her a long time to quit. Did you just raise your hand because you smoke, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, but you don't. But you don't. But you don't like sing for two hours every night. No, just an hour <laughs> <laughs> when no one's around. No, but also like I did for years. And I vape now, but like I definitely notice it. And even in some of the uh, on the first record, you can hear some things in her voice that give cues that like, oh, no wonder she had problems. Where she gets into these high register rasps that kind of just fizzle out and it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe she quit. I don't believe she quit smoking until 2015. Um, so, so these three albums, she's smoking the entire time through it. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a thing where they're definitely not taught. They don't get like, they don't get a vocal coach unless they're in the studio or on tour. And the vocal coach's job is to just get them through, not to actually teach them good health, which is not like a problem from the vocal coach. They're doing their job. Their job is to just get them to do the performance and have that be the best that they can make it. Um, but the the biggest issue is that, uh, and again, I don't want to go too deep, but it's, it is important, is that, like I mentioned, her voice is this big belty thing. And this this whole style of singing that's like just constantly like giving your all – that is the problem. That's where these that's where these opera singers have found this. This originated in the 19th century with some of the operas like Wagner's operas and stuff like that that were just like constantly loud and just like going for it the whole time. And that's a style of a lot of pop singers now is just like constantly giving you everything. Um, and so there's they're, they're working through certain techniques as to how like you can actually like not give out your all <laughs> throughout every song. Well, you can tell she's kind of learned that a bit because in the 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 concert I watched uh, when she did uh, Someone Like You, the don't forget me, that part where she's like really kind of high up, she she sings it in a different range. She still nails it, but you can tell that she's like, hey, that fucked me over in Wembley. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, that that's a tough one. Uh, I, it also makes me think of Joni Mitchell, too, because when you listen to Joni Mitchell's early stuff, she sings like a bird, and then in her later career, she sounds like she smokes a pack of cigarettes every minute. Yeah. But I think there's... I, I might be mistaken, but I think she kind of wanted that. I think she wanted the her voice to sound smoky and weathered yeah there are a lot of people who have wanted that i think that i think that the the thing with adele versus like not to minimize anything Joni mitchell has ever done but like adele is kind of singing on a new level like she's 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 a giant pop star singing in front of you know i mean she she was she had a four night run at wembley she had to cancel half of it i mean that's 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 a whole nother level of artist um and it sucks but you know yeah so so the so the whole thing is she did get vocal cord microsurgery and it worked Luckily, so that's it's very, very good that it did work and nothing went wrong. And so this was before she tracked for the third record. Uh, I believe or the surgery. I believe the surgery was during, was like after the Wembley thing. 
Um, I'm actually now thinking that I'm going to get mixed up because 2011 was the first time she had a, a, a an issue. But I believe that she didn't have to get the surgery until way later. I was going to um, say that might explain the three-year or two-year period, depending on how – they don't really go into the specifics about the dates, but it's 2013 to 2015, so that could mean a whole three years on the recording. Yeah, because of that third her album. vocal performances on this third record are way stronger for me than the first two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just an insane record. Should we? Should we? Should we let's get it. Let's get into twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out November twentieth, two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention the producers: uh, Danger Mouse, Samuel Dixon, uh, Paul Epworth, Greg Kirsten, our old pal, old, Max Martin, our other old pal from old the pal. Spears stuff, Linda Perry, um, Mark Ronson, and Shellback, and the Smeezingtons. It's a name it people is. might recognize. Our but that's friend. Bruno Mars and I don't know the other two people's names. Philip Lawrence, Christopher Brody Brown. Yeah. Come on, and, man. They're and our Ryan old Tedder friends. Again. They're our old friends, man. Come on. Let's get it together, all right? Well, Come it's on. just funny. Like, we've mentioned them almost, not every episode, but, like, a lot of times we've mentioned a lot of those producers. And they're all on the third Adele record, which is like, okay, 21 was so big. That twenty five, you got to pull out every stop you possibly can. So there, there is the longer gap between the two records, and in a really, she did a, um, I forget what that Canadian um, uh, channel is. That is it, Q or something like yeah. that. But they do, they yeah. do amazing interviews, and yeah. that they did an amazing interview with her after twenty five came out, and the interviewer nails it and says it sounds like you did a lot of living in a short amount of time. She had a kid. She had found a serious partner who she now has a kid with. She had, uh, the, you know, a lot of, um, vocal issues. And, you know, she even talked about, uh, on the 25 tour that like, this is one of the first times that she's actually been able to go out and fully tour without pause because she had her vocal issues. So, um, this was also, uh, 25 uh, is the first time she went into the studio without having anything written. She said that on 19 and 21, she had, if she had music written or lyrics written, she was ready. But she has gotten to a point where she says, I don't play guitar at home and I don't talk about home in the studio. Those are separate to me. It gets messy if they're not. So she basically said that you know, now she's in this uh, set that she basically went into the studio and wrote this whole album together. So, you know. Good for her. Uh, it has four singles, which is the the least of any of her records, I'm pretty sure. It's Hello, When We Were Young, Send My Love to Your New Lover, and Water Under the Bridge. But, Adam, you mentioned the gap in between So G. Jackson. It's also that, like, she, I think, recorded a lot of this stuff and even other songs that didn't make the cut. And took it to Rick Rubin like she flew Rick Rubin out to her studio and he was not impressed with the material and he said many of the songs sounded like they might be on a different pop artist's album it's just not her or he said it's not just her voice singing any song that makes it special and so she said she was like I mean that kind of fucking hurts I feel really sad about that but I also I know what you're talking about because I don't feel these songs either and I think she mentioned that she had writer's block stating that she just had nothing to write about, so she had to go live a little bit. What a great way to go live to have a kid. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think all in all, um, this is my favorite of the three albums she's released. I really liked 21, but I had genuinely, I had not heard any of these songs. Um, yeah. So, I wonder how much that impacts is this that, album feeling better. You definitely heard kind Hello. Of yeah. Is that true? You've had to have heard Hello. Bullshit. I, I, there's no fucking I've way. heard the meme, the Hello from the other side. That's all I've heard. Uh, oh. I've genuinely yeah, he, not heard He'd that only song. heard it on SNL. It's fun. My God, man. That's I, and that's not a source of pride. It's just something like I just hadn't heard this album, um, and I, you know, I think this is her best album to date. And Hello is just like from the set is just it sets the tone. And a lot of people have said like, oh, why wasn't Send My Love the lead single? That's like the pop hit. And she said, yeah, I agree. I love that song, but. There's no other songs like that on there. Hello is the rest of the album. So that's why I wanted to start with that. That's why it was the first single. And, you know, I completely agree with her. I mean, all in all, I mean, Hello and Million Years Ago are my favorite tracks on this. Uh, This is more so than the other albums. I could listen. I could cherry pick songs from 21 to listen to. If I were to put on this album, I would want to listen to it front to back because I yeah. think it's better for that. Well, in Million Years, I think was produced by, co-written and produced by um, Greg Kirsten, and it almost didn't even make the record. Yeah, there's there's a couple of the songs on here just credited at least the two of them. I, I, right. I think I think that you know, send my love to your new lover is a really great song, but man, I kept restarting it because. I, I, the first time I was like, did she just say that? And then the second time I was like, she just fucking said that. And I, I kept getting angrier. She starts the song by saying just the guitar. Okay, cool. And then it's not just the fucking guitar. I was, I, I was like, is, am, am I getting trolled right now? What's happening? I don't know why, <laughs> but it infuriated me to no fucking end, man. Oh, God. <laughs> you were just listening to the, the joke copy of it. It's fun. But when I when I first heard that song, I thought it, it's funny because before this record came out, I was thinking like I can't wait to hear Adele when she's happy. A similar thing happened to um, the, the band Silverchair, like the grunge band from early two thousands. They made a bunch of very depressive records, and then their final record was this upbeat, dancey record. When the lead singer finally got therapy and was really happy, and I loved that record. So hearing these first two Adele records and waiting for the third one, I thought this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to hear it. But when I heard Send My Love to Your New Lover, I thought, this is too poppy. I don't like it. Oh, man. But it's so good. now, listening for this episode, I love it. I think yeah. it's great. It's, it's, such a, it's such a cool, like, it, it's, it's a really great thing. We've talked about it plenty of times with plenty of different artists, but it's so great to, to like, see a, a, an artist grow musically in the way they write. And seeing, like, I mean, like, I think from 1921 – there's a lot of similarities across the board in how songs were written. And definitely 25 has that kind of same similarity, but there's still a lot of growth in the in the fullness of the song, and there's definitely more variance of what could be in the song. The one thing that I will say is uh, I, 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 think, I think we said that her voice sounds best on this album. I'm going to say her voice sounds the exact fucking same as it did on the first one and the second one, which isn't a bad thing. It's a really great thing, actually, because her voice is just that good. It doesn't need to grow anymore. We're, we're done now. I, well, maybe, I, maybe it's not the, the quality of the sound, but I feel like there, there's definitely an experience you get being in a studio and making records, and this is only her third record. So I think yeah. she's evolved as a studio artist, 
and obviously production has gotten better over the years. It could and, it could be a, a number of different things why like it sounds like because I, I, I think that the, this album just sounds better in general, which is easily just a production thing. Um, but I think that may, like I, I noticed it pretty early on, like going back to the first album. I was listening to that and I was thinking to myself. You know, I I know what her newest stuff sounds like really well, and and this sound her voice sounds the same, and and like so many artists, you can hear like a lot of growth and maturity. Um, going back to Britney Spears as an example, you can hear maturity in her voice because they literally changed her voice when she started, and then she like kind of grew out of that back into herself a little bit, kind of not really, um, but like you can hear that with a lot of singers as to how they actually grow, and with Adele, it's like there's not a lot of maturity in her voice grow like like from album one to album three because it was already there and it's amazing right. yeah yeah i just think you know i my the first song i heard from this aside from hello and i actually i think i agree with jackson i hadn't really heard the full thing other than just the memes that were going around but i was also kind of a fan of adele and wanted to hear it so i'm sure i did i just don't remember it that no, well no i'm with you and jackson on this i don't think i'd heard any of the whole stuff on this what but yeah. the one song i did hear sorry to disappoint you but was no. I think the second single, which is when we were young, uh, she did a, a live in the studio recording of that song, and it's my favorite song that she's ever done. You know, not to not to like just just kind of walk over what you just said there and ignore it for a second, but like it's a great song. Jackson, but we're gonna we're gonna ja- do that. Like Jackson talking about Jackson being a hipster, and now all of you were hipsters because you haven't fucking heard the full Wait. version of a he- hello until now. No, that's not being a hipster. Would be like I heard a, I heard hello before Adele wrote it. No, hip, hipsters don't listen to pop music. So here's the thing: is the reason why I think I didn't hear it is because, and I think it's probably all of us, is that Twenty One came out, and it it's not like Twenty One got a slow burn and it has become diamond status. Like no, it, it was it was like, everywhere right away. Yeah, like, in like a, a great year. way. Yeah. But like especially being in choir, it was just like beaten into me that whenever this came out I was like, Oh, that's really cool. I'm like all those people that I know who love Adele are gonna love that. But man, I just I, I cannot like I'm not I'm not there right now. And uh so that's why I didn't go into it and listen to it. I'm glad that I have now though. Yeah. Ah, it just it blows my mind. Like, I mean, you got, you I, guys I can just... tell you for sure I hadn't listened to this album in its entirety because oh, it neither. wasn't in my my library of anything. So I I haven't that makes sense. Heard any of these songs fully as far as I'm... I can remember, at least. It might have been playing somewhere where I was, but I didn't pay enough attention to it then. Right, and full disclosure, I didn't hear this album until today, and it fucking blind. I'm still processing the back half of the record. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I'll I'll get, I'll get over how this is ridiculous to me at some point, but um, it's gonna it's gonna take me a little bit. I don't understand. You guys not not listen Shout to the radio. Shout out to no covers in the the track list. Shout out to that. Yes, that's <laughs> a good point. That's a good point. Uh, one thing I did find nice in terms of um, evolving is that the song "Remedy," when it goes to the chorus, she could have very well with the way the melody is. This is a music nerd thing, but she could have very well done uh, one five. Six four chord progression super easily, but instead it's a one five two six, which I thought is really nice, and it also felt like a different kind of ballad for her. So it seemed you can see that she's like, well, I'm going to have slow songs because that's what I do, 
but let's not do the same thing over and over again. Let's change these up a little bit. There was another song that did a similar thing, and I, I'm, I'm kicking myself now for not noting which one it was on this album, but it did um, it, it, it did a one five six, and I was like, "Where's the four? And then it didn't it didn't go to the four. It went to it went back to one. And I was like, "What? What? Right? Uh, that, what? That, that that could be. I miss you because that that yeah. one is like uh, seemingly about sex, but she said that it's about like um, just the entirety of a relationship and wanting everything from somebody, which is really cool. Just that like the whole thing is it's not as on the nose about uh, the end of a relationship or something like that. In fact, a lot of this record seems to be looking back on her life and, you know, being sad that she can't go back there, but also lamenting how bad of a time she had when she was that young. In the song River Lee, she basically blames her bad luck and love on the river from her hometown. <laughs> She's like, I should pre-apologize before we get into this long-term relationship because I grew up next to this river and it's polluted and I think it polluted me. I'm not stretching the meaning of that song too far. <laughs> I hate to say it, but you know, she did say that 21 is a breakup album and she considers 25 her makeup album. And what she meant by that is, you know, by the time she reached 25, she said, oh, you know, it was her kind of reconciling of who she is and realizing this is me and these are the things that I got to do. These are the things I never got to do. And just making that up with herself and accepting this is who I am. I think this is who I'll be moving forward. So I think that's intentional that, you know, it's really easy to look at songs and think they're really two-dimensional about love or breakup and all that, but I don't think that was the intention with most of these songs. Like, Hello is completely a self-reflection song. And yeah. if you don't see that, that's, you're a dingus. <laughs> you tell them. Well, it, it just, a lot of it is, uh, the first two records, one of the things I wrote down is like a partial criticism outside of her incredible voice and all of the great instrumentals is that lyrically, it seems like she's trying to hold the truth of the songs to herself, which is what artists do frequently where they don't want to give too much away. But in the interest of being vague, you almost kind of lose the narrative of the song. So I ended up relying on her vocal performances to really get me through the records. But in this record, it's not so much the case. A lot of the songs have really poignant lyrics that seem to relate to the rest of the song and, and take you somewhere with it. Like my criticism of that River Lee song uh, in that lyric, I think she's still talking about like walking around her hometown and people won't even look at her and, and saying how sad that is and how much she misses going back there and being in that time. But I did mention the back half of the record being super emotional. And I think it starts with love in the dark for me. Cause I wrote the ultimate breakup ballad. It's such a gut wrenching song. And then a million years ago, these are the first time I heard these, I was writing notes a million years ago. I wrote even more sad than love in the dark. And then all I ask is the following song. I said, oh, my God, these last three songs are so beautiful and sad. But for me, I think are some of her um, best vocal performances across all three records. Yeah. All I ask is recorded and written by the, the Smeezingtons. Did you guys know this before you listened to this song? No. No, no. which it, it is shocking that that's the song that came out of the Smeezingtons. And they tried to write an up-tempo song, Bruno Mars. And it was like, hey, let's write a, like a hit. But at the same time, when I heard that the Smeezingtons, which I knew after this, after hearing the song, 
when I realized that it was the Smeezingtons, I thought like, of course, because now we have the Bruno Mars and, and uh, Anderson Pack song, which has chord changes all over the place. Yeah. And it's a major yeah. kind of, it feels like a throwback thing. I wrote like Whitney Houston as an inspiration for this. It's the first time that it's like, I don't want to compare her to Amy Winehouse, but I'm fine with the Whitney Houston call out on this track. Because yeah. it's just that kind of level, that caliber of vocal performance. Yeah, that's that. That's definitely. I think those comparisons are something that she is definitely more open to. I think she's talked about like the Whitney Houston of it all, and that's a that's a pretty crazy. Th- I th- this this album in general, I think, is just it's just beautiful the entire way. There's there definitely are songs that don't that that, that feel different, but um, I, I I do agree that the like I think that I was most surprised of how like different the writing was. A lot more stuff was happening in there. And it just it it like constantly was I was like oh oh where in the last two I could probably just get by with like background and not really pay attention and be like I listened to Adele I did it great well and it's fun because she doesn't have to do anything interesting yeah exactly it's like we mentioned earlier with like Paul McCartney it's like they don't have to do anything interesting but if she's gonna make a record hopefully she's gonna make a good one mm-hmm. I do love that the people around her were like hey. The stuff that you're writing right now at the onset of writing this record is not what you need to release. I think Rick Rubin even also said, you can if you want nobody to pay attention to it, but I think wow. you need to go back to the drawing board. Wow. That's a tough one. <laughs> That's a tough yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, and the last song on this record is Sweetest Devotion, which she wrote. She said that she wrote it for her child, and I think it's it's great. It's yeah, an up-tempo it song, but the lyrics are really, really poignant and... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sentiment that you hear most parents talk about where they're saying like, you're, you're my frustration, but you're also my greatest bit of joy. And the lyrics are beautiful. I don't know. I just can't boast enough about how much she's evolved as a lyric writer on this third record. And she's only 25. Yeah. I mean, interesting, interesting closing song choice though, is the only thing I'll say about that song. It's a weird song. I think to, I don't know what would be a better one, but it's an interesting choice to end the album with that one. I mean, maybe if you want to, I guess, go out on a limb, you could say that hello opening it is like, hello, here's the, here's the new record. Here's a taste of what it could sound like. And at the end, sweetest devotion could be like, I have a kid now. I feel Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I feel think that's better. I think probably like thinking about it in terms of like a timeline thing of like kind of like the reflection um and the like the 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 main themes of the album and then coming back to the end and being like, "Well, this is where I am now and this is this is my child." That's a that that's a pretty it's a pretty fair way to think about it. It's just musically a weird song to end on. That's, Especially that, that's, after those three just Yeah. heart-wrenching ballads, I mean. It's like a pe- maybe a palate cleanser or like the end of the Breakfast Club. <laughs> Freeze frame. <laughs> I don't know, but also maybe she was like, "We have to put this on the record, and we just don't know where to put it." Yeah, I mean, I w- I, w- I would go out and say that probably we were right, and that maybe maybe it's a mix. Maybe she didn't know where to put it, and then was like, "Well, this will make sense if it's here." But regardless, amazing album. Um, yeah, to me, it sounds like a 21 out of 25. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. Anything else? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think it, it sounds, it has, this record has a lot of modern sounds uh, that maybe her first two didn't. She embraces a lot of the, the culture of music at the time. 
but at the same time, it doesn't sound contrived or forced. It, yeah. She's using those things, and the people that are working with her are using these things to sound relevant, but also keep the integrity of what of how great she is as an artist. I'm super excited for another yeah. Adele record. I think this last album out of these three especially just makes it more clear that she's done a whole lot with a very, like, not small career in terms of you know scale or anything but only three albums and that's already yeah. where she's at that's that's definitely the biggest shock is that like i i think a lot of people know there's only three albums but i think about how many songs have like left such such an impact on music today and only having three albums is huge that's that's wild if she's being mentioned in the same conversation as whitney houston and and beyonce and you know all of these pop artists she's only got three records so, I mean, it says something about the power of her as an artist. Yeah. And and not only is she mentioned in the same, like she is on the same level as Beyonce. And you can say that because she's the second woman to ever get, or second artist, I think, to ever get as many um, wins in the Grammys in one night as she did. So... And that first person was Beyonce. So she's quite literally in the same race as her. And, like, she talks about how much she loves Beyonce. And, like, Beyonce is, like, the top tier, the most high to her. So, And and Beyonce has even said how much she loves Adele and how Adele, I think, influenced her record four. I think I remember yeah. seeing a quote about that. But it's cool to see artists uh, respecting artists in that way. But it's yeah, just really I, cool. I should have... I should have... Uh, uh, got it down but uh adele has like a beyonce personality like she has like a like she has like a another like character she plays whenever she's like trying to be like beyonce and i forgot i didn't write the name down i feel so stupid but um yeah i mean they're 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 totally like full within respect of each other and it's a beautiful thing it's absolutely beautiful uh anybody else have anything they want to add cool great awesome so um I should have I should have said what my games were beforehand, so they wouldn't have gotten totally fucked. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna roll with it anyway, and uh, we're gonna do rapid fire again. But we'll do it differently. You can raise your hand this time, um, and we're gonna roll through the Brit School. We're gonna roll through it. All right. So close your fucking notes, losers, and let's go through the Brit School. So whoever wants to go. For, so again, just just to, just to reiterate for those who forgot it was at the beginning of the episode. The Brit School is where Adele went. It's a very famous uh, 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 arts and performing and technology school in, 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 uh, in England, and a lot of famous people went there. Great. Awesome. So who wants to go first? Raise your hand. Jackson. Black Mitty. Great. Dave. Uh, Amy Winehouse. Great. Adam. Uh, Tom York. I don't know. Great, Adam <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> Tom Allend. Cool. I need. I need a raised hand. Dave. Jesse J. Uh huh. Did we already say Amy Winehouse? Yes. Fuck. Need a uh, raised that's hand. That's all we got. That Bradley cannot... Cooper. <laughs> Oh, I should I should have just done the normal version of the game I was gonna do. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Anybody have one more tiebreaker? Let's tiebreak this shit. Come on. Yeah, who's Spider Man? We we already said Tom yeah, he Holland. Said, no, he didn't raise his hand though. So he did. He raised his hand. Who? Come on, one more, man. 
Do-do-do-do-do. I mean, I know Florence Welch isn't on that list, and I know the Kooks aren't on that list, but I have it on good authority that they did go there. But do they not graduate? Um, they not? Is that what it is? I don't not, know. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that they're just not alumni. Uh, I'll guess Lily Allen. Uh, no. No. Oh, damn. There's people I'm forgetting. That There's a really lot of people are. you're forgetting. My God. Sure, it's going to be really obvious as soon as you tell us. Yeah, just tell people. us. You guys are just making me edit, <laughs> so that you can. That's sing, the whole right? point. The whole fucking point, man. Uh, Leona Lewis was one of the biggest ones. Uh, Kate Nash, uh, Rex Orange County. That's um, the one that was on the tip of my tongue. Was Kate Nash? I was like, I, there's one. It's like Kate or fuck. Damn it. Yeah, there's there's a fuck ton. King Cruel. Uh, a ton of fucking people went here. Um, the King Cruel one is really funny. I think the most out of left field are Black Midi and King Cruel. Black Midi surprised me a whole lot when I saw that on this list. That was a very strange, a very strange thing to see. Um, so yeah, great, awesome. Well, uh, but all the games were tied, and uh, that was very. I should have done better games. It's my fault. I, I think, apologize. I think we need multi-choice <laughs> questions. It's really the only thing we can do. I mean, I guess multiple choice questions is what's needed. I don't know. I thought I, I after after everybody blurted out who went to the Brit school, I was like, oh fuck, what do I do? I was like, oh, I'll do this rapid fire thing, and then it was just fucking crickets, man. Yeah, because you told us to close <laughs> our notes. Yeah, of course, close your notes. You can't cheat. <laughs> this episode's going on, on way too long. It it's I'll suffice it to say that like we all very much liked Adele. I was shocked. I thought I had bit off way more than I could chew when I listened to the first half of 19. I was completely wrong. And uh, 21's great. 25 is even better in my opinion. Um, I, I look forward to hear what she has next. Uh, she can take her time. She could release nothing else. She has nailed it regardless. But it, it's very clear that all of us have loved Adele. And, you know, look forward to whatever she has next. Um, Hagen, can you get us out of here, please? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jackson's uh, really done with this. He, he, he's, he's getting a little cranky. It's okay. I get it. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm going to echo what Jackson said really fast and just say, you know, all the, all the stuff is, you know, definitely, like, excited to see what Adele does next. I am especially want to say that if you have not listened to these albums front to back, please do so. Give it a shot. I think you will have a great time if you have never listened to the stuff that aren't singles. Um, especially off 21 and 25, 19's fun, but just 21 and 25, especially you're going to, you're going to have fun. Um, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't already, you can go ahead and press that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using. If you're using that Apple podcast app and you feel like leaving a little five-star review that does help us out. That's still a thing, right? Adam, that's still a thing. They do five-star reviews on there still. Yeah, it's still a thing. Awesome. Very cool. Give us five, five out of five. That'd be really cool. Thank you. We really, we really appreciate that. Um, if you if you're on social media, likely you are. Uh, you can follow us on on all those DFTA podcasts. Don't feed the artists. Look it up. You know you know how to do it. Um, and thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And uh, fuck off from the other side. <laughs> Get, Get me a shirt. towel. <laughs> <laughs> no, no no no. Where's the accent? Yes. Give me the give me the accent. Would you believe it if that was the accent? <laughs> I would believe you tried. I'd rather hear your Bob Dylan. <laughs>